This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome back to the channel and welcome back to another edition of the Spurs Chat Podcast, where in this edition we'll be talking about everything Tottenham Hotspur, discussing possible new managers and previewing the Bournemouth game, which of course takes place this Saturday at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Let's hope for another three points. Now, as usual, I have three very special guests to talk about everything Tottenham Hotspur. Back with us is Barnaby Slater, expert on presenter and producer. And now a new venture, Football Penalty Gamble. Barnaby, so great to have you back. How are you? Really well, mate. Thank you so much uh, for having me on. Uh, Yeah, you mentioned my new venture. Basically, it's an Instagram page called Football Penalty Gamble. Go and check it out. I used to be a goalkeeper, so I do some goalkeeping. And I challenge people to score five penalties against me in a row. And if they do, they win at least 100 quid. So if you fancy a go at that, come and uh, follow me on Instagram at Football Penalty Gamble and win some money. 
well, I will be having a go soon, so uh, I'm sure we'll get some videos out about that. Um, Barnaby, we were just speaking off air, and I've got to ask you, because um, I, I said off air as well, that I probably wouldn't have been doing YouTube if it wasn't for you and Spurred On back in the day. Um, do you miss it? Do you miss doing Spurred On? Yeah, best job I ever had. I think um, there was a little bit of uh, backlash back in the day about Spurred On. I think everyone was afraid, Spurs fans were afraid of, a new Arsenal fan TV, and we were kind of possibly the first to, to kind of venture into that space. Um, and I think a lot of people didn't know that it was backed by a, it was a production company who funded it. And what happened was uh, the best job I ever had for 18 months following Spurs home and away. And then the production company, unfortunately, didn't feel like they were making enough money and pulled out, um, which, as we were talking about off air, I think they made a huge mistake. And, and if they were still in it now, uh, you know, it would be a, it would be a really huge channel. But you have taken up that space, and and some of the other guys. We are Tottenham TV, and Last Word on Spurs, and obviously the Fighting Cock, and um, you know the Extra Inch. All those guys filling it and making some amazing content. So it's just a pleasure to have been in the community, and and hopefully get back into the community too. They were the good days under Maurizio Pochettino, I might add. Uh, we have also got Lee the Dorset Spur back with us, of course. Spurs YouTube channel. Lee, how are you? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Good to be back. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming back. And we've also got Matt Jones, returning guest with us, of course, season ticket holder. Matt, how are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks, Chris. Good to be back. And uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into it. Bit of therapy. Matt, let's start. Matt, let's start the show with you. Um, I just want to get your thoughts on the last couple of weeks. Antonio Conte, of course, departed. Christian Stellini, uh, probably a surprise to most that he took the job for the remaining 10 Premier League games. He's been in charge now for two Premier League games and somehow we've picked up four points, a draw at Everton and, of course, beating Brighton on Saturday. Mm. How's the last few weeks been for you? How are you feeling as a Spurs fan right now? I think probably like all of us... Um deflated a little bit I think I think the decision was was a strange one really I think obviously Conte he was right in what he said I think it was refreshing obviously the way he obviously called people out for what happened called the players out but what then has followed since has really surprised me in terms of Stellini remaining there all the backroom staff um and now obviously we're in a position where obviously we're trying to trying to get secure top four we've dropped vital points obviously against Everton we had the Southampton game. Um, and for me, obviously, now it's, you know, the clubs at Crossroads, they obviously want to make top four. But to keep all the backroom staff and to expect the pattern of play, the performances to change so address, it, it's just obviously, as we see against Brighton, you know, I think we were fortuitous to come away with, with the three points. Um, and, yeah, I, I didn't think that the performance against Everton was particularly great. And likewise with Brighton. Um so I, I was really quite surprised. I wasn't surprised Conte went. I think obviously that that was that was inevitable after that presser. But I think then what has followed since has been a real surprise. Um, I don't know with what's happening with Fabio Paratici whether that's perhaps been a blocker in bringing in the next manager. Um, so yeah, I think it's been tough to take really. Um, and I, I worry now with top four, the kind of uh, points that have been dropped against Everton and, and Southampton. Um, could cost us come the end of the season because that's four key points really that you know could could be quite telling come May. Barnaby, what have you made of the last few weeks? Because of course we've gone through Mauricio Pochettino, Jose Mourinho, Nuno Espirito Santo, Antonio Conte. Now we're at this stage again where we're looking for a manager. Of course, we waited seventy-two days 
from manager in Nuno Espirito Santo. Of course, that didn't work out. Conte hasn't worked out. Um, Stellini's in charge for these now remaining eight games. What have you made of it all? Yeah, uh, not dissimilar to Matt. Uh, just, it's a mess, isn't it? It's a mess. Um, I think it would be good. It'll never happen. But I think if Daniel Levy came out, reappointed Mauricio Pochettino and said, I fucked up, then I think it would be good. It would never happen. But he made a mistake. And I have to say, I understand the mistake. I think he, I think, you know, we'd be lying to ourselves if we didn't say there was a corner of the Tottenham fan base, maybe some of us as well, who said, oh, we've made it to the Champions League final. We've got our new stadium ready. We're ready to spend the money. We're ready to be winners. And so Daniel Levy kind of listened to that and, and, and felt that himself and, and appointed Mourinho. And, you know, I, I admit I shed a tear when Pochettino was sacked, but also I understood it. And I was like, I think we're going to win something on Mourinho. And then I thought the same under Conte. And the reality is football has evolved. Football has moved on. Those guys are not guaranteed winners anymore and certainly not at a club like Spurs. And it's the reality is it's it's time to get back to basics. And for me, it would be bringing Poch back. I don't know why we wouldn't, but if that's not meant to be, then it would be another manager of a similar ilk to when we got Pochettino. And let's not forget, when we got Pochettino, a lot of the Spurs fan base were angry because we didn't get Louis van Gaal, which mm. the idea of which was to get a proven winner, right? So, you know... I think we could get a company, right? We could get an Amarim. Let's give them a chance. But in terms of what you said the last eight weeks, yeah, it's madness to me that you would... It's as if Levy heard what we were saying or heard what Conte said in the press conference and was like, okay, well, we have to get rid of him, but hasn't heard about the dire negative football that we've watched. And I kind of understand... His thinking is, oh, can we just creep across the line in the last eight games? But my instinct is very much in similar to as it was, I'm afraid, before that week where we went out of the Champions League and the FA Cup and lost the league game. I think we'll lose to Man United, Newcastle and Liverpool. And I think after that, everybody will be like, why did you appoint Stellini? I think I think that will happen, I'm afraid. We're not good enough not to. Are you surprised by that decision, though, Barnaby, Stellini to stay? and Antonio Conte to go. It, it just seems a really strange decision for me. Yeah. Yes, I think it, I agree with you. It's a completely strange decision. And and like I said, I think the only reason it was, was that kind of idea that maybe some first-team players have gone to Daniel Levy and said, we don't mind the tactics, but we don't like the way he's delivering them. And so, but the fact that Stellini took those games when Conte was off with his gallbladder operation has made Levy think, oh, well, he won four out of six then. So, you know, if we win six out of eight, we'll be in the Champions League. But I don't think it's going to be that simple. I hope to be wrong. I really do. And I hope that the, the counter-attacking stuff can work at St. James's Park and Anfield. But I think the momentum is with, certainly with Newcastle. And um, honestly, I think Man United will beat us at our place as well. So, yeah, strange decision. I could see why he made it, but I think it's the wrong one. Lee, these two games under Stellini so far, um, it seems very samey to the whole of the season under Antonio Conte. Um, although we got four points from those two games, we were very fortunate to get the three points on Saturday. I met you in the pub, actually, um, before the game Saturday, and you predicted a Brighton win. I did. I did. And I was the only one, to be honest with you. But that's because I don't believe in the 40-something years that I've been following Spurs that I've ever felt 
as disconnected to my club as I as I probably do at the moment. I, I kind of got to a point where I was like, it was apathy. I, I'd, I'd gone up to the game and I'll, I'm up at the game again this weekend. But I come up to the game because I really enjoy going out with the South Dorset Spurs boys. Uh, we have a good time meeting up with Sweary Alex and, and the general was always a, always a good laugh. So I, I, I kind of look at it from that perspective rather than the football. The football was like a distraction um, at this moment in time. And I, I honestly felt that, that Brighton were going to be better than us and that they, um, they would beat us. And to be fair, if it wasn't for some really, really dodgy VAR decisions, they probably yeah. would have. So I don't think I was too wrong, really, in, in predicting that we were going to, we were going to lose. Lee, what did you make of the incident? Because, of course, you were in the stadium. Um, Stellini given the red card and then a lot of the fans inside the stadium singing Maurizio Pochettino's name. Now, in recent weeks, certainly in the away games, I've witnessed a number of fans, you know, not a lot, a few fans singing Pochettino's name. It was more at Everton on Monday night, um, but it was even more inside the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Saturday. What did you make of it? Were you singing his name? No, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't join in with with the singing. If I'm if I'm being honest, I, I um, I'm kind of at that point where, for me, I think we need a wholesale change somewhere, a, a change of direction, a change of view, and maybe that's why we're, we're bringing in uh, this new guy and so on. Um, when I was in the stadium, from where I was, because I'm in the south stand, uh, it didn't sound as loud as when you're kind of hearing it from the other end because it kind yeah. of projects out that way. So. There was a few, there was a, a fair few chance about Maurizio Pochettino. There was also a lot of chance about Levy get out of our club as well. I've got a couple of little videos, little snips of videos of, of that going on, which seems to be seem to be growing um, and getting louder as the game wore on. And I did think that actually, if we'd have if we'd have lost that game, or if we'd have played really badly and, and started getting under a lot of pressure, I really felt that this could be a really toxic atmosphere in there uh, on the day. I felt that that. That could be coming, um, but no. I, I mean, me personally, I, I didn't. I didn't get involved in the the Pochettino songs as much as I. I think out of all of the candidates, uh, and I know we talked about this before. Out of all of the candidates, if Pochettino came back, I think that would probably do the most to unite a lot of fans. But I do feel like it smacks of desperation to win a bit of a popularity contest from Levy to try to appease and and buy himself some more time, if, if I'm honest. I don't think he's he will do it for, for proper footballing reasons. Um, but with Pochettino, kind of knowing the club, knowing the players, because most of them were probably there, still there when he, when he was there the last time, that, you know, he's probably got the best chance of kind of getting anywhere um, than some of the other people that are being named. Well, it's funny because I think that the, the Champions League spot is obviously extremely important to Daniel Levy, the board and the club as a whole. And of course, to us fans, you know, getting Champions League football. That last 10 games, you know, obviously Stellini's uh, been in charge for two, but the, 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 the those 10 games, I would have thought that bringing in Pochettino, bringing in someone like Harry Redknapp, bringing in like a fan's favourite. You know, can you imagine what it would have been like the atmosphere inside the stadium, even this Saturday? Um, you know, the fans really getting behind someone. That's why I'm really surprised, again, that Christian Stellini has stayed in charge. Um, Matt, let's come mm. to you. Um, are you a fan of Pochettino coming back? Because any time I mention it on any of these videos or podcasts about Pochettino, you know, I'm a big fan of Pochettino. I would love to see him back at the club one day. 
But there are a lot of people that don't want him back. You know, a lot of fans are saying it didn't work before. He didn't win anything. Um, He's not a winner. What are your thoughts on on him possibly coming back? Yeah, I mean, you can I can hear where people are coming from with that. I think for me, my my heart now is certainly bringing back, but my head tells me we probably shouldn't. Um, I think you're hitting that on the head there, really, Chris. When you think about the decision that's been taken, I still still think it's odd. Um, and someone like Pochettino would have certainly given the place a lift, brought a connection to the, you know with the fans and the club, and hopefully you know could have pushed us on to top four. Um, so yeah, and I think it's going to be an interesting one, isn't it? In the summer, you know, they've obviously held back from making that decision because I think there's going to be lots of managers that could be available. There's going to be a lot of movements this summer, um, but then the club are running the risk of missing out on top four. I think now, for me, I think obviously Pochettino. You know, he could come in, he could certainly do a job. And then it also comes to kind of the current ownership and operating model. He knows how it works. He's worked with Levy before. Um, so you wonder if that that would kind of help kind of having to work under the current kind of parameters that are there. Um, so I certainly, if he was to come back, I'd welcome him back for sure. Um, because you start looking at other options there, you know, it's going to be a risk with whoever we bring in, isn't it? You know, um, and obviously Nagelsmann's been mentioned company but again they, they all come they're not coming risk-free of course they're not so it's for me Pochettino knows the club he's worked with Daniel Levy uh, etc before but you've now got that chief footballing officer which obviously as you said will be coming in in July how will that work and like I say I wonder whether the fact Pochettino hasn't come back or they haven't appointed a manager as of yet is given the situation with Fabio uh, Fabio Paratici you know so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it develops. Um, but I certainly wouldn't be against Poch coming back. Definitely not. Matt, I think we spoke about that off-air. Scott Munn um, is actually starting work at Spurs on the 1st of July. Um, what do you make of that? Because with Fabio not working at the club currently, Scott Munn starting yeah. the job on the 1st of July, I think it's pretty clear and evident then that it will be Daniel Levy choosing the next manager, isn't it? I think so. I think so. And... You know, it's again, it's a, it's another sh- a strange decision. You've got that announcement's come, but then he's not joining, not starting with us until July. So, who is managing the managerial search? It it must be it must be Daniel Levy. Um, so it's going to fall with him, and it's going to be interesting to see what decisions can be made. Um, you know, I think we, you know, you look at it. Pochettino is is kind of the obvious choice at the moment. Um, there are others. But are they going to be willing to kind of work under the current model? I don't know. And I think kind of how we're feeling at the moment, I think when I reflect on this season, some of the kind of things that I think probably get a lot under a lot of our skin is the fact that this club signings, the managers sign, you know, whoever comes in, for me, kind of Lee touched on it, wholesale change. Whoever comes in needs to have the final say on which players come, come to the club. Um, it can't continue to work as it is. It's not working. It's been proven it's not working. So we need wholesale change, for sure. Barnaby, I remember being out in Munich um, when Spurs, funny enough, and I know we're going to get bantered here, when we won the Audi Cup, and Pochettino in the press conference at that point, and I I feel that this was the real change. He came out and said to the press, I'm the head coach, I'm not the manager. Mm -hmm. I felt that that was a real change in him um, at the football club. Um, and I think that's probably where it started to go wrong. Um, when you've got Antonio Conte coming out a number of times saying that these are club signings and not 
the manager's signings. Is this going to change in the future, in your opinion? Oh, I think with Conte, I think I remember when Conte was appointed and I was glad he was appointed. I, I listened to a lot of interviews with people who supported clubs that Conte had had managed and we got from Conte exactly what Conte gives. Like that's how he works. He will he'll light fires and he'll he'll throw people under the bus and that's what happened. In terms of the club signings, Conte's Italian. Conte has never not worked under a director of football. So that's just his way of telling the fans I don't rate this player. He didn't rate Jed Spence. He didn't. And I have to say, he sees him in training every day and I don't. Like, yes, he's played a good game against Mbappe on loan or whatever, but he didn't rate Jed Spence. He didn't rate Joe Roden. He didn't rate Ndombele and he didn't rate Los Elso. So I don't know. That's different. Um, in terms of, uh, I'm going to put my neck out there and say, I think Pochettino will be the next manager. I feel really strongly that that's going to happen. And I think the reason why they can't announce it now is because... If they announce it now and it all goes to shit for the last eight games, then all the fans will be on Pochettino's back saying, why are you not brave enough to take it on now? Whereas I think Pochettino is absolutely and has always been one of those managers pretty much who's like, I want to take it on from the preseason and, and get it going from there. So that's what I think will happen. You can definitely call me out on that if it, if it doesn't. But I feel confident that him and his team will come back in. When it comes to the Conte stuff and the director of football stuff, and, and you mentioned Scott Munn, from everything I've read about Scott Mann, I think he'll be more of a on the commercial side as well. I know he's director of football operations. I think maybe more it's about trying to put into place that strategy over football for the long term that I think everybody discusses as Brighton doing really well, for example. That idea that in advance, if a manager is going to leave or it doesn't work out, you have the next one ready and you have the set style and all that kind of stuff. So I think he'll, from everything I've read, he's good on the commercial side, but maybe his remit will also be to try and create that kind of thing. Um, that That's kind of where I'm at with it. Uh, and it's, it's, it's difficult. Like it's, it's always going to be difficult with Spurs, but what I'd say just going back to the Pochettino thing is I know a lot of people give him, abuse because of what happened in the last year and we didn't win an away game in that last year. People forget the the two transfer windows, no signings, Wembley, Christian Eriksen running down his last year. Eriksen didn't want to get injured and Eriksen was beyond key to that team. He was the, the, the key master to that team and he didn't want to get injured and I think that was a big deal and I think if we get Pochettino in now, I hate to say it, but I think there's a chance to go with how he plays we may sell Harry Kane. We may have to, in terms of him wanting to play pressing from the front. I don't want it to happen, but it might happen. But I think Pochettino is the right man to do what he did before, which was get rid of your Adebayors and your Kabuls and sweep out the stuff that is of a, the last era and start again with a young, hungry, pressing, exciting team, which we do have. And I think we have to give props to Paratici for some of this. We do have some of those signings having come in in the last year, 18 months, and it could work, but we'll see. What makes you so sure that Pochettino will come back? I've heard a little whisper through a contact of a contact that the deal is done, but I wouldn't hang my head on it. But also, I think there's something, just something about the way that this has worked out, where Levy's not afraid to sack someone and appoint someone the next day. And he didn't sack Conte the day after he made that rant. He waited and he tried to work it out. And I, I personally, it's just my personal opinion. I think Poch has said to him, yes, I'll come back. And don't forget, um, Levy tried to get Poch back before getting Conte 18 months ago. 
I think Potter said, yes, I'll come back, but I want it from the summer so I can make it my team. I can make the decisions. I can have the preseason. I won't take the last eight games because if he takes the last eight games and he wins no games, then the fans are against him straight away. That's like really kind of um, giving voice to the, the corner of the fan base who think we shouldn't go back. So I think if that's the case, it may not be, then I think it's it's shrewd. It's funny, Barnaby. I, I, I've heard from a few people um, that there's been absolutely no contact at all with Poch. But hope, I'm, I'm hoping you're right. I'm hoping you're right. But, sorry to interrupt, um, Chris. Sorry to interrupt. But also, we've heard down the years that Poch and Levy are thick as thieves and contact each other all the yeah. time. So Ooh. I think if, if people have heard that there's been no contact at all, I think that's because the club want us to think that there's been no contact at all. Yeah, yeah. Um, Lee, let's come to you. Um there's been lots of uh, media reports out um, linking us to all sorts of managers at the moment. The Express today have stated that Spurs' number one target is Vincent Company. Um, the other five on the list, Nagelsmann, Enrique, Rogers, Slot, and Pochettino. Out of all of those managers, um, who would you like to see as the next Tottenham one? And uh, what sort of manager do you think that Spurs should employ next? So this is this is where I, I kind of get the point about um, looking for something different, doing something different. And I go back to what Barnaby said right at the start about um, when we when we got rid of Pochettino the first time, um, it was almost like he'd run his course, he'd got us as far as we we were, and we were at that point where we needed to make the next step, and that next step was to have a proven winner who was going to take us just that one step further, which was how we kind of saw Mourinho, and I think. Initially, we said, I'm really sad to see Pochettino go, but it's time. He gave us the pride and he gave us the belief. Now we need to deliver. And that's what Mourinho was supposed to do. We all know how that turned out. And then I think they carried on with that idea with, with Conte after the disaster of, um, of Nuno. But I think now it's about really taking stock about what do you want? Where do you want to take us? What's the, what's the vision for the club? And that is what's going to determine what kind of manager we get next and where we go from here. Um, if, if I'm being absolutely honest, I, I look at someone like company, right? And I was thinking about this today and I'm thinking, if you're, if you're a company, why would you want to come to Spurs now? And I know people go, Tottenham are a bigger club. He's going to get more money, blah, 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 and all that. But if you're, if you're a company and you're coming up to the Premier League with Burnley, What's the expectation? Survival? Now, if he survives, he's a hero. He's a bigger hero and his stock goes up. If he goes down, he's not really lost nothing because he knows that they knew that it was going to be a difficult ask, right? If he comes to Tottenham and falls over massively, doesn't get, doesn't get supported by Levy, which inevitably is going to happen, his stock's going to go down. I mean, Conte's no better off now in terms of his stock having, uh, having managed at Tottenham. Mourinho's has only gone up because he went off and won a cup somewhere. So, so what I'm what I'm rambling on about is if you're if you're a manager now, what's going to really attract you to Tottenham? What, what's going to what's going to make you want to come there? And there's got to be some kind of vision about where you go. And for me, I think we need to go back to where we were under Pochettino in terms of building a philosophy, building a style of play, building a squad, and looking for a longer term solution rather than this. Yeah, we're at the point now where we could just win everything. We're, we're a mile away from that. It's really difficult to do that. Um, so for me, I think it needs to be someone probably like a Pochettino, but the one that kind of 
got my attention and I did a little a video about it and I know we've talked about it is the Arna Slot story and the only reason yeah. why I'm kind of excited about that is because of the way my friend who as a final fan was talking about him and talking about how he improves players which I think is what we need because we've got good players who need improving how he takes Deadwood perceived Deadwood and makes them better how he presses from the front how he's how he's transformed the club and how he can work within a budget and it almost feels like it's it's a match. Uh, yeah, on the radio today, I'm listening. I'm listening to to talk shit, and they're saying, "Oh, you know, he's likely to go to somewhere like Palace or Leeds." And I'm thinking, mm. if he's considering somewhere like Palace or Leeds, surely an opportunity to come to Tottenham would be would be better for him because he obviously wants to come from that league to the Premier League. So the bigger opportunity you get, he's not got anything to lose. Whereas with someone like Company, I think his stock can only be hurt by coming to Tottenham. At this point, maybe something in the future. But for, again, for me, I think if City come knocking at some point in the future, if Pep wins the, the Champions League, where does he go from there at that point? He's done everything he needs to do there. Does he move on? And, and, and does that give him the opportunity there? Can, so, I, can I just, can I just, sorry, Lee, can I just answer one thing or, or give an opinion on one thing that you said? I, I agree with you when talking about company. However, what I'd say is, if I was company and I was thinking smartly, I'd think it's very possible that this time next year or around Easter next year, I could have Burnley in the relegation zone and get sacked like a lot of those championship teams chairman do. Right. They they let yep. the, they let the manager do really well and they're the biggest, best name manager. And then the next season when it comes to, oh, we're about to get relegated from the Premier League, they sack them and they bring in someone mad for the last 15 games whereas so if company is getting offered a job like spurs at this point he could say well i might get sacked to spurs absolutely if i don't you know do as well as they expect me to do but i might as likely get sacked from burnley as well at easter next year and he'd be earning more money and the chances are or there's a chance also it would do better now on the devil's advocate side of that i'd also say i see company is quite similar as how i saw steven gerrard a couple of years ago he was hot property <clears throat> he'd done really well at rangers everyone was like, oh, he deserves a top job. He might be the next Liverpool manager if Klopp goes. And then, you know, 12 months later, he's getting sacked from Villa. So, it's you know, that's just playing devil's advocate on that side. No, and I agree with you. I mean, this is is all about opinions, right? I say this all the time. Football's about opinions. That's why we've got shows like this and and everyone goes on about it. Because you just don't know. A company could come to Tottenham and be the best thing. Absolutely. When Pochettino came, we all looked at the guy and went, he can't even speak English. He's at Southampton. Before that, he, he's looking after the ladies in Spain. Some, you know what I mean? And, and no one expected him to be um, as good as he was. I don't think Daniel Levy expected him to be as good as he was and to deliver what he did. And I think he overachieved. And that's put the belief in the fans that we are a better, bigger, stronger club than we've than we really are. And I think sometimes we need to have a um, a step back and look at it and go right. You know, what are we doing? What's our vision? Where are we going? What's the longer term plan? I mean, we as fans, it's been 15 years since we won anything. So we're we're desperate for it. right? We're desperate to get something out of it. Um, But it's not easy because there's loads of other clubs that have been even longer than 15 years without winning anything. So I guess I think we probably need to have some sort of patience. But you can only have patience if you can see progression. And you can see um, where you're going. What's the end goal? 
And, and the biggest problem in all of this will always remain Daniel Levy. And what he doesn't do, which would help himself, would have some kind of transparency in terms of giving that view of where we're going and what we're doing and all the rest of it. I know he's uncomfortable with that sort of thing. And maybe that's what this Scott Munn's going to do. He's going to maybe be the person who's going to be the, the face of the of the club as opposed to Levy. And that maybe be able to give us something to, to kind of work on and something to believe in. But it's just knowing what that is. And the other point about not Pochettino not coming in until the summer, I think most managers that are out of work now have been sacked or whatever would probably feel the same, probably think to themselves, you know what, I could probably do with a few weeks off, wait until the summer and, and then come in um, afresh at the pre-season and, and really kick on. Um, because... Like you said, there's nothing to be gained by coming in now and getting stuffed every week and your stock's down before you've even started, you know, proper. You know, I mean, look at Lampard over in Chelsea. I mean, he's on a he's on a no win there, isn't he? I mean, he's going to get spanked every week, hopefully, and uh, his stock's going to go down even further. So, you know, why would you want to come in at this point? You know, I know I wouldn't. I'd, I'd be saying, well, I'll have a couple of weeks off and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll pop in in the summer when I know what the vision is. And if I'm the top target or not. Yeah, I think just coming nearly, I think that's the issue for all of us. I think is the fact that to what's been seen to us, there hasn't been a plan. You know, they haven't communicated a clear strategy. And that's the thing that certainly for me has been frustrating. And now obviously with Scott Munn coming in, that's great. I think we're absolutely right. He's coming in from a strategic point of view. Um, we'll be taking care of off the field activities, but all footballing related, obviously, but not here till July. So, yeah. you know, yeah. how is that square when you're looking to bring in a manager now? So I think it goes back to our point earlier. It must be Daniel Levy leading on that appointment. Um, and in the absence of kind of that clarity on what the strategic direction is, to me, it's who understands the club is Pochettino. Yeah, I mean, the, I guess I guess the issue, the issue is it, it feels like, and this is why I said I, I feel like I'm disconnected in the fact that they treat the fans like second-class citizens like, we don't matter because they don't tell you anything. They don't think about how you're feeling. You know, for them, they can walk away from the walk away from the the, the, the the ground on the day. Oh, yeah, it's disappointing and all the rest of it. But for a lot of Spurs fans, all football fans, it, it's, it's a big part of your life. You know, you travel long distances to go and watch them. You spend a lot of time. It ruins your weekend. Absolutely. Yeah. You get bantered by your mates. You get aggravation on bloody social media. You know what I mean? You're getting it all the time. Right, so so we live our club, and, and no one no one loves their football club like a football fan. The owners don't, the players don't, the manager don't. The mm-hmm. fans love the club, and we have a different relationship to our club than than any of the rest of them. But we're always the ones that are thought of last, and that's what I'm saying about having a better PR with the fans in the longer term, so that we know where we're going, what we can do, because. The fans that are connected to their clubs are connected to, to their clubs through the players, through the manager, through the through the owners. You're going to get more from that. And, and we are just so disconnected from that. And Daniel Levy, it's almost like he treats us with contempt. That's yeah. how a lot of Spurs fans feel. He treats us with yeah. contempt like we're just a pain. You know, we're just a pain because we're the ones moaning all the time. We should be grateful for what we've got. I mean, he's even used that kind of terminology which is not going to ingratiate yourself with, with people. I think that is precisely why, you know, they, they do need to come out. We're not asking for the ins and outs of everything, 
but assurance that there is a direction, there is a plan, because that's it's been clear to see the last couple of years. It's it's been chaotic. It's been absolutely chaotic. Um, and yeah, it's it's wholesale change, and we need clear direction. I mean, as we sit in, as we sit in, I'm sorry, I'm to keep jumping in, but as we sit in here now, none of us have any idea if they've got a plan or not. Now, they may well have a a clear plan. They may have already identified who they want. They may have already spoken to them. They may know what their targets are and all the rest of it. But we, because we've got no idea, we're listening to talk shite, sly sports, all that sort of stuff in the know people giving you the nod and the wink. They don't know. No one, no one's really telling us anything. So we're just sitting here in the dark, and that's what's frustrating for us because you don't, you just don't know what's what's around the corner, and and we think they don't know what's around the corner, and if they don't know what's around the corner, it makes you feel like this crisis is getting worse and worse and worse. It's a strange one though, Lee, because when Pochettino was sacked, and I always said that if someone had an early night and went to bed, Pochettino was sacked late on. And then first thing in the morning, Jose Mourinho is our manager. You know, if someone yeah. had gone to bed early and got up, you know, quite late, they'd be thinking, what the hell has gone on here? Um, and then, of course, we waited 72 days for a manager in Nuno Espirito Santo. Um, I, I thought that when Jose Mourinho was sacked, I thought that Spurs had a plan. You know, I thought that they were going to move quick. I didn't expect us to wait 72 days for a manager. And I, I really hope that that is not the case now. Um, no, I, I'd see. I disagree with you. I think that when they sat Mourinho, they didn't have. A, they wasn't going to. That was a spur of the moment, heated argument. Walk out the door. We got to do something else, and there was no plan. With Pochettino, there was obviously a plan. You know, Mourinho had been in Daniel Levy's ear. He'd been an admirer for him for years. He'd been in his ear and said, "What's he doing? I can. I can get better out of Deli Ali. I can get better out of Ericsson. I can do this. I don't need to spend no money, money Daniel. I'm a different man now. You know, give me a chance." So he got rid of Pochettino, brought in Mourinho, expecting expecting great things, like most of us did. And what he got was turned over. He got sold. He got sold a dub. And then when when uh, when all that went tits up, he sends him sends him on his way and didn't have a clue what he was going to do. And I think that's probably why they kept Stellini this time to keep that stability at least until the end of the season. Because, like I just said before, who wants to come in right at the end of a of a season when you're on a hiding for nothing, unless you're, you know, Fat Frank. Who's going to want to do it? I, I, also, so I also, sorry, Chris, but I also think that Ryan Mason, about to have a baby, must have had a part in it. Because otherwise, why would they have brought Mason in last time and he did a pretty good job? Yeah. To this time, not let him do it. It must have been because he's about to have a kid. He just had a kid, I think, last week. That must have had something to do with it for me. It must have. I just think with, uh, you know, with the Champions League football, it's just so important to the club. And even in that very short statement, when Conte left, it said about, you know, the fans have got to be on board and it is very important that we finish in a Champions League spot. Matt, let's come back to you because on that shortlist, apart from Pochettino, um, the only manager there on that shortlist with Premier League experience is Brendan Rodgers. If Spurs employed Brendan Rodgers as our next manager, how would you feel? He certainly wouldn't be my first choice. Um, Yeah, I mean, look, anyone who comes in through the door, you know, we'll get behind them. You know, it's what we do. We'll get behind the manager. He he certainly wouldn't be my first choice. I think, I mean, the positive, yes, he's got Premier League experience. I mean, he's he's done reasonably well with Leicester. It's obviously ended badly, but he won them an FA Cup. Um, But, yeah, I'm not sure that's what we need. 
I think um, inevitably a lot of his teams, you see a lot of defensive frailties in, in Brendan Rodgers' teams. Um, yeah, just wouldn't be wouldn't be my choice, um, really. I think obviously he can motivate players. I think he tends to go on that peak to start off with, but I'm not so sure that's what we're looking for. Brendan Rodgers definitely, for me, he's, I don't think that's the appointment we'll be looking for. Barnaby, reports in Germany today are stating that um, Nagelsmann has turned down the Tottenham Hotspur job. Um, other names on that list, Luis Enrique, if he was the next Spurs manager, would you be happy? Uh, doesn't seem right to me, Enrique. Mm. Rogers, I think, is interesting because I think Rogers would get us playing the kind of football that we want to see, but I don't think Rogers would get any respect from the fans, by which I mean if we lost two in a row, three in a row, I think there'd be pressure straight away. And yeah. and therefore, it's not a good appointment because if that's the kind of pressure you're heaping on the guy... I mean, that was exactly what happened with Espirito Santos, basically. The pressure was too much, right? Yeah. Um, Enrique doesn't seem right. He, just another manager who's only succeeded with the best players. And I think, as Lee, I think, was saying earlier, and Matt, We've got to realise now we don't have the best players. We're not going to have the best players. We're lucky to have a couple of world-class players, but we don't have them throughout the squad and we're not going to be able to buy them and we're not going to have the wage budget to, to get players like that in. So we can't appoint a manager who is used to winning with those kind of players. We have to appoint a manager who's going to develop players. Our entire success in my lifetime has come from a manager who developed players from players who we didn't rate, by which I mean... Kyle Walker, right? I'll give Kyle Walker as the best example. Danny Rose, we didn't rate him. We didn't think he was going to be good enough. Harry Kane, we didn't think he was going to be good enough. And Pochettino developed those players. We've picked two managers in a row who don't develop players. They only work with people who are old enough or experienced enough to win. It hasn't worked out. So we need to pick a manager who's going to be willing to do that. So for me, it's Pochettino or an Amarim. Nagelsmann, like you said, apparently has turned it down. For some reason, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. Um, I think he's going to have bigger offers. Mm. Uh, He'd done a pretty decent job at Bayern Munich, to be honest. So his stock is pretty high. Like, if he goes into an interview, you can go, well, yeah, I got sacked by Bayern Munich, but I was second in the league by, like, a point or two, and I was in the Champions League quarterfinal, and the team that I'd taken to the Champions League quarterfinal, winning eight out of eight, just got spanked, you know, uh, when I wasn't there, right? So, I don't know. I... I think it's got to be a development manager and uh, I don't think it'll be Lewis and Rico, no. Barnaby, what's the most important thing for you as a Spurs fan right now? Is it to win? Is it the style of football? Is it to be entertained? What is it? I think the reality is, like a lot of people say, Pochettino didn't win anything. He didn't win anything. He didn't get us over the line. But we got pretty close to the line, didn't we? So is it fair to say that any of us right now would be like, can we please get back to that line? Can we get back near the line? Can we get back to going to the games and enjoying the football? The things that the thing that I really remember about Pochettino, and this is my own about Pochettino's teams, this is my own, this this is abusing myself, right? Sometimes I would say when we went to play Man City or we went to Anfield or we went to Old Trafford, I'd say to myself, why can't we just shut up shop once in a while and just play 11 behind the ball and try and nick it, right? Honestly, I couldn't have gone more full circle. Now I'm like, I've had that. It doesn't work either. Let's go there and let's attack. And then sometimes you win. And sometimes you get beat, right? But in all the other games, you're playing football that is worthy 
of the money you're paying to go and watch Spurs, which just so happens to be more than any other fan is paying. And I don't have a problem with it because they're my team. It's my passion. I'm willing to pay it. You know, but let's get that back. Let's get some front foot football back. And I think, you know, your question is, would I prefer the good football or to win? I think one would lead after the other. And I think if Pochino comes in and it's a struggle at first, just as an example, or any manager on the front foot, it's a struggle at first. We have to give them the time, just like Pochettino got the first time. It wasn't easy at first. But front foot football, and then I think winning will come. Lee, will Harry Kane be a Spurs player at the start of next season? <sighs> That's a big question, isn't it? I mean, I think that I'm probably edging towards yes. I think he will. Um because I, but more because I think the club won't want to let him go because the money that he can get you if you can get to the Champions League again if we don't get it this season, um, because to replace him is, is I mean he's almost irreplaceable. Uh, who else are you going to get? Uh, who else are we going to spend the money on? So I think trying to keep him to keep us in uh, uh, the chance of getting to the Champions League is probably bigger than trying to find someone to replace him. So I would say. I'm, I'm edging towards yes. Um, would I blame him if he went? Probably not, because I think he's, he's at the point where, depending on the managerial appointment, is going to determine about where the club's going to. And like like us as fans, Harry Kane obviously needs to see a plan. What, what are we heading for? Where are we going? You know, I'm sure. I'm sure deep down, he wants to stay at Spurs. He wants to win something with Spurs. He wants to leave a legacy and all the rest of it. But at some point, he's got to make a decision about this is this is it now. This is my opportunity to move. He had that opportunity with City. That didn't happen. So, what are his options? What are his options now? Where's he going to go now? That's going to guarantee him that he's going to be better off than he is at Spurs. And I, I think the managerial um, appointment will determine an awful lot about that direction and that will probably sway in one way or the other. But I do think he'll probably stay next season, but the season after will be the one once he's out of contract. Matt, same question to you. And do you think that Pochettino is the only man to keep Harry Kane? Not necessarily. Um, I think it would help. I think I'm similar to you, Lee. I think he'll probably be there personally. Uh, I think he'll stay, and um, obviously the managerial appointment may may have an effect on that. But I think I think he'll probably stay, and at least give it six months. And if we're not going in the right direction, you know, depending on what's being promised in terms of a plan, the new managers in um, come January, if it's not working out, that's when I think you could see um, him, him potentially moving on if he was to go. Um, but yeah, I, I think he'll stay. I think he'll stay this summer. Barnaby, another player that will be entering the final year of contract is club captain and goalkeeper Hugo Lloris. Uh, we've been linked to David Raya of Brentford, uh, 35 to £40 million, pounds, and Alex Merritt of Napoli, around £40 million. Pounds. Um, what goalkeeper would you like to see replace Hugo Lloris long-term? Yeah, I like Raya. I like Raya, actually. Um, I think... Hugo is, I think this will be Hugo's last season. I can't see him as a number two. And I like Raya. I don't know much about the Napoli keeper, I've got to be honest. I slight my instinct is that Paratici has already tried a goalkeeper from Italy and I didn't really love him. So it wouldn't be my wouldn't be my first port call. But you know, it's got to be a keeper who can play with his feet. 
And uh, yeah, I like Raya. Just just to answer your question, because you asked the other two and not me about Harry Kane. My instinct on Kane is that Levy won't want to be the chairman who sells Harry Kane. So I think he will run his contract down and he'll and Harry will see what the options are then. My slight worry is if Darwin Nunes doesn't score a lot of goals next season, why wouldn't Liverpool go for a Harry Kane? I think Man United is like a... Man United are the obvious ones, I think. Mm. And I think if, if he's going to get sold this year, this summer, then it would be United. But if he comes free, I don't think City will go for him. I think he needs to stay in England. He wants to stay in England. And if Liverpool don't have a striker, then who's going to score 25 goals a season? Why wouldn't they push the boat out and, and spend the wages on him? That would be my, my slight worry. I think I could see Harry Kane saying, Klopp will win me trophies. I can't be sure that Man United... I'd be interested to see what United do next year. I know they've had a rebirth, but let's not forget that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had a rebirth with them and got them second in the league his first season too. So it'll be interesting. But, you know, I think he wanted City because he could guarantee it there. But other than City, there's no guarantee these days. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah I think Newcastle might be uh, an option as well. Um, Lee, when, when we talk about um, players like Harry Kane and Hugo Lloris, the amount of time they've been at the club, and they've won no trophies. Can you can you believe the amount of players that have come to the club, left the club, trophyless, 15 years? It's far too long, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. But then I guess if you look at, you know, there's plenty of other players that have, that have gone all that way and, and not won trophies and, and so on. And, and again, it's a like... We, we, I think we were talking about it the other day when about the amount of players that have left Tottenham and then gone on to win a trophy, and that trophy is the Mexican mm-hmm. the Mexican Super Cup or you know something like that, and we're all like, oh yeah, oh they won a trophy. So like for me, it's, I I want Tottenham to win trophies. I want those players to win trophies. I think they deserve a trophy at that club because of their loyalty. But it doesn't always work out like that, and we're not the only club. And I think we get bantered about not having trophies by fans of clubs like Southampton, you know, and I'm like, wake up. What are you talking about? You know, but it's, it's a narrative that's being pushed by, by the media and, and, and and by ourselves Mm -hmm. as well. We do, we do push it um, because we're desperate for it because we see ourselves as this big club. And and, but I just think it's, it's now become a monkey on our back. And I think for me, you asked the question of Barnaby earlier about what would you like to see? You know, would you rather see good football or would you, or do you want winning at any cost and all the rest of it? For me, I want to see decent football. I want to be entertained, right? But I want us to take things like the FA Cup and the League Cup more seriously rather than picking up all these eggs, putting them in a Champions League basket just because that's what Daniel Levy wants to, to lie in will, his pockets. Will it ever happen? Whatever manager comes in, will that ever happen that we take the FA Cup or League Cup more seriously than us fans actually want? I think it's. I think something's got to happen like that. That they've got to start something. You know, Man United have won the League Cup this year. They're still in the FA Cup. They could still win the the UEFA Cup or whatever it is, Europa League, whatever. So you know, because those fans are entitled because they've won the league so many times and they've got this big stature, it doesn't mean that much to them. But for anybody else to have that opportunity, if Brighton go on and win the FA Cup this season, what a story that is. You know, how great for their fans that, that, that someone like that wins it, you know. And that's what football for a fan is all about. You know, when Leicester won the FA Cup, you can't tell me their fans weren't over the moon and their owners weren't over the moon. All right, it's not it's not bringing you the money, 
but for fans, it's not about money. But for, for Levy and, and his mob, it is. It's all about that Champions League money and the pretense that that's going to project us further on. Well, we've been in the Champions League and they haven't used that to project us on to bigger and bigger things. You know, so it doesn't always work out like that. So like for me, I think they've got to start thinking about success on the pitch as well as success off the pitch in terms of financial benefit and so on. They've got to, because otherwise people are going to fall out of love even more and even more and even more. And that monkey on our back is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and turn into a bloody great gorilla. And then where do you go from there? You know, how do you ever see yourselves as successful if you're if you're never winning anything and you, it's just it's just about it in that Champions League money? I, I mean, me personally, I couldn't give a monkey's about the Champions League. I, I'd be quite I'd be quite happy to go to Azerbaijan and watch a game. To be honest with you, I, I, I really fancy that. Well. Talking about the Champions League spots, Spurs can go up to fourth, back in the top four with a win on Saturday against Bournemouth. Uh, Matt, let's come to you. We've got eight games left now. Uh, yep. Bournemouth at home, Newcastle away, Manchester United at home, Liverpool away, and then going into May, Crystal Palace at home, Aston Villa away, Brentford at home, and we finish the season leads away. With those eight remaining Premier League games, how do you see the season panning out and where do you think Spurs will finish? Well, there's a question for you. Um, yeah, I think obviously the away fixtures, um, you look at those, they're difficult. There's no getting away from that. You know, Newcastle are flying high at the moment. Liverpool, I mean, we are due a result at Anfield, let's be honest. Um, so you never know, but that's a tough place to go. And Villa, obviously, at the moment. So the away fixtures, I think, are looking problematic for us. Obviously, at home, Bournemouth, like to think we take three points there. Palace, we've obviously got United. That's obviously going to be a tough, tough one. And that would not surprise me if Man United get something from that. So we're talking about 24 points to play for. I mean, I, I think we may fall just short um, in fifth. Um, probably take somewhere between 15 and 17 points from those fixtures. I think that's where we'll fall. Um and I think, like I said earlier on, I think this goes back to some of the, when you look at some of the games this season, uh, we've certainly recently where we've thrown points away against Everton and, and Southampton. I think that could come back to cost us come, come the end of the season. Barnaby, how are you feeling about these eight games? And what does the Champions League mean to you as a Spurs fan? And if Spurs did play Europa League football, Europa Conference League football, how would you feel? Because, of course, we've played in all three competitions in the last three years. Yeah, I think we'll come fifth. Um, I think the only way we won't come fifth is if Newcastle have a big kind of pressured fall, like the pressure gets too much and they'll fall off. I did. There, mm. there is a part, I've said earlier in this in this show, so I'll stick to it, I think we'll lose all three of those big games. But there is a tiny part of me, just like while everyone was saying, you know, I think Brighton will beat us. There was a part of me that's like, whenever everyone thinks we're going to lose, we kind of somehow win. So there's a part of me that wonders if we could go to Newcastle and win. But but if Newcastle don't have a big fall-off, then I, I think we'll come fifth for sure. In terms of the Champions League, I actually don't agree with Lee on this one. I, I think I do think that the reason Levy wants to get in the Champions League each time is because he wants to grow the club. But let's not forget, just playing devil's advocate with Levy and Enoch a bit here. We weren't, you know, we're now talked about as being one of the big six. We weren't one of the big six. There was no big six. There's nothing to do with us in that before, right? 
we're in that because we've got in the Champions League seven out of the last however many seasons. And I think it is, in his opinion, a continued growth thing, a continued revenue thing. And as the, the, the money from the stadium keeps going, it will continue growing so that we can continue to spend more money on players. Other than the dividends to the individuals, it's not like the Glazers. They don't take big money out of the club, right? So on that basis, I think Champions League is important. But where I don't think Champions League is important, like I used to, is where you look at a club like Chelsea and the players they've managed to bought in January, to buy in January, eight of them. Players don't give a fuck if you're in the Champions League anymore. If you offer them the money and it's the right place, they will go to you. Now, it just so happens we won't offer them the money and we swim in the same transfer waters as, you know, the same transfer waters as you were talking about with the Dutch manager earlier, your West Ham's, the people on the, you know, in fifth, sixth, seventh, right? So I'd like us to get in the Champions League. I do think it's important in terms of the growth of the club, but I don't think it'll end us if, if we don't. And I actually don't think it'll make a huge difference in terms of the manager that comes in either but um I'm, Barnaby, I'm not... you, you you really believe then that players are not bothered about champions league football it's just all about the money in the modern game uh when it comes to the premier league yeah i do i do i think players now it's like premier league one like premier league is where they want to be because that's where they know the money is in terms of their weekly wage i really do honestly there's there's a lot of evidence to prove that as well and I'm talking. I'm not talking about you know the real elite players because we're never going to be in for the real elite players. Of course, the elite players are only going to go to your Real Madrid's, your Barcelona's, your Man City's, and and and, and the like, right? But in terms of that kind of next level and the level below, Premier League is now more important than Champions League. They will go to a Premier League club over a Spanish Villarreal who came fourth for sure, in my opinion. Lee. How are you feeling about these remaining eight Premier League games? Can Tottenham Hotspur produce a miracle, as Antonio Conte said earlier on the season, that Spurs need another miracle to finish top four? Uh, I, to be honest with you, anything's possible, right? I'm trying to be trying to be positive now, right? Anything's possible in this crazy league, and this is what makes the Premier League so good: is the fact that anybody can be anybody. There's been results that you just don't see. Um, and you're not expecting. I mean, no one would have thought that Chelsea would have been this bad this season or Liverpool have gone through this 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 sort of um, downward trend and so on. Uh, you know, we had United last season that have gone back. You know, so you, you just don't know. So the reality is we, we could go on a really good run and win some of these, win some of these really important games and somebody else could could lose some games that, that really helps us. The fact that we're still in it, still in the opportunity, considering how badly we've played, this season and how poor some of our results have been, mm. it just shows that that it's never over till it's over, right? So I'll always hold the faith that um, the opportunity is going to come and we'll, we'll win enough games to get us in there. But when you look at the games that are left, uh, uh, everyone's still got something to fight for. There's some decent teams in there playing some decent football. So it's going to be really tough. But it'll be tough for everybody else as well. The only thing that, go, uh, in my mind, that goes against us is the fact that um, other teams have got games in hand on us. And I know they've got to win those. But until they've got those games out of the way and you see where you are, you're always wondering what yeah. do we need. Um, and, and so that's the only bit that kind of puts me in a, I, I, you know, I'm with Barnaby. I, I think we're, we're likely to end up sort of fifth, something mm-hmm. like that. And uh, and I, again, I don't think that's going to be a disaster. I, I don't think it's a disaster if, if that happens. Um, because as I say, I, 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 
I well, look at the Champions yeah. League and I, I don't, I'm not as in love with the Champions League. I mean, it's a great nights and, and all that. I, I get it. But you can have those great European um, games in other places with different clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, as fans, we'll still love it. We'll still love it yeah. wherever we have to I, travel to. I just, but those eight, those eight remaining games, though, Lee, there's no easy games in the Premier League. And when you look at the stats, like from Saturday, we only had three shots on target and 35% possession in our own stadium. Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, it's diabolical. I mean, we didn't play well. The fact that we got the result, you know, is remarkable. And, and we all went home thinking, thank God that game's over because, you know, we... Mm you know, it could have gone a, a totally different way. And, and let's be honest, you know, I, I mean, I live in Paul, so I'm not too far away from, from Bournemouth. I know a lot of Bournemouth fans and they'll fancy this game. They'll fancy this game. They'll always got, they've always got hope. Um, and I put out a tweet uh, saying, uh, after all the furore about how we robbed them, not the man, not the, not VAR or the refs, it was us personally, the club that robbed Brighton. I put out things saying, we will get absolutely nothing from the refs this weekend because they'll try and level it up and Bournemouth will get a penalty for sure, considering that Brighton never got any. And I keep getting reminded by Bright, uh, by Bournemouth fans on, on my Twitter saying they haven't had a penalty all season. So that just says to me they'll definitely get a penalty. If they haven't had one all season, they'll definitely get one. They were 2-0 they were so, up against Arsenal, weren't they, the other week? So that, they won't be easy. No, they definitely won't no. be easy. They definitely won't be an easy game. I don't think there's any easy games at all for us. No. Um, but that's the same for everybody else. Everybody else has still got to win their games as well. So you just never know. You keep the faith. We're deluded Tottenham fans, right? So we just keep the faith and hope that it'll it'll turn turn the other way. But maybe I'll predict a loss uh, and then we might win again. Yeah. Well, I could, classy, that I could be a Jonah. I, I could be the Jonah, couldn't I? That, just that on that, I was just, sorry, I was going to say, for Lee, on Lee's points and just, you know, coming back to that top four, Chris, um, yeah. I suppose the only thing if we were trying to be positive about this Man United, obviously still in the Europa League, still in the FA Cup. And I think I'm right in saying they've got to go away to Villa and Brighton. So, and they've obviously got to play us as well. So they yeah. haven't got easy fixtures either. So like Lee said, you know, points can be dropped. It's just whether, you know, at the moment, the performances aren't great. But if we were to you know improve on that front, you, you just never know. You just never know. But I think Newcastle, I would be very surprised if Newcastle don't secure top four. I think it's Man United would be the only one we could realistically pip. I think that Villa away game is going to be very difficult as well because they yeah. seem to just be winning under Emery. He's done a fantastic job there and they're only just behind us now. Um, yeah. Matt, let's stay with you because um, Bournemouth, of course, we face on Saturday at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. They're 15th at the moment. They're only three points above the relegation zone. They've only won eight out of their 30 matches, 30 points. Now, last weekend, they won 1-0 away at Leicester. Before that, they lost 2-0 against Brighton. Before that, they won 2-1. Before that, they lost 3-0. Before that, they won 1-0. And before that, they lost 3-2. So, literally, every week, it's like win-lose, win-lose, win-lose. How do you see this game going? Because, of course, the two games under Stellini so far, he's put the same team out, the same formation, Lloris in goal, Romero, Dyer and Lingley. Uh, Perisic and Poro in midfield, Hoybier and Skip and the front three of Kulusevski, Son and Kane. Uh, Richarlison was back on the bench at the weekend. Dan Juma got a little bit of game time at the end. A lot of fans are calling for him to get more game time. How do you see Spurs setting up on Saturday? Give me a score prediction and what have you thought of Bournemouth so far this season? Yeah, I suppose starting with Bournemouth, I think obviously they're 
you know, had a bit of a rocky start. Um, but I think Gary O'Neill's come in and, and done a relatively, you know, steady job with them. They have been obviously up and down with results, but I think, as we, as we were saying, it's not going to be an easy game. We do have a good record against Bournemouth. Um, but yeah, obviously they, they pushed Arsenal, didn't they, um, recently. Um, beat Leicester away, as you say, I think it was 1-0. I think we lost 4-1 there. So yeah, we, we're in for a game. I, th- I think we will win. In terms of the lineup, I can't see Stellini changing it, um, if I'm honest. Um, I think he'll stay with, with that selection. Personally, I think, yeah, you know, Richarlison, we've got Dan Juma. Uh, personally, I think at some point we need to start looking at perhaps switching it up. I think, obviously, with Dan Juma, for me, it's, it's been tough for him, isn't it? He's come in, club signing again, hasn't had many minutes. But what I do like about him from what we've seen is you know, there's, there's an energy there. He's trying to press um, and, you know, it seems mobile. Um, but who do, you, who do you take out of the team? Obviously, Son's been out of form. Um, for me, I think Kulisevsky, I think he's been struggling, um, certainly of late. So it's, you know, perhaps at some point he will get that opportunity. But I think with Richarlison now fit, Lucas, obviously, he's only got one game left, I think, on his ban. I think the worry for Dan Juma, again, he will drop down the pecking order um, from what I'm seeing at the moment. But I think he will stay with the same lineup and hopefully we'll see Dan Juma and Richarlison get some minutes. And um, I think I think we'll win. I'm go brave and say we'll keep a clean sheet as well. So I'll go for I think I'll go for two nil for me. Home win, Kane to score, and I'd love to see Richarlison get his first Premier League goal. Barnaby, what are you thinking? And uh, I'm glad Matt said that because I'm so surprised Richarlison no Premier League Fred. goals so far this season, and we're in April. Oh, he's hardly he's hardly played to be honest. Um, I'm going to go three one. I don't think we'll keep a clean sheet because I think Larissa <laughs> will throw throw one in, <laughs> and uh, or, or you know try some mad passing out from the back that he's not capable of. Uh, but three one, I think it'll probably be two one till you know nail biting till the end, and then we'll nick one on the break, something like that. Um, yeah, I'll be quite concise with that three one. Barnaby, do you see Stellini going with the same setup, the same team? Because you know with these eight games left. Do you see it as pretty much the same week in, week out until the end of the season? Yeah, I think he actually mentioned in a press conference, didn't he? He said due to injuries, you know, we had an idea of doing something different and due to injuries, we can't. And I think the reality is, and people forget this, Ben Davis went off early in that Southampton game. And actually in the previous few games, we'd started keeping clean sheets with him playing left wing back and him kind of tightening it up with Porro on the other side. And I think that was a big, big injury for us. Obviously, the biggest injury has been Benton Core, but... I think Ben Davis had, had really tightened things up for us. And possibly if he hadn't gone off there, Conte might still be in a job. But Perisic playing left wing back, you know, great crosser of the ball. Very, very good set piece taker. Terrible, terrible defensively. Cannot defend, cannot keep up with the rigours of the Premier League. And therefore, the reason we, you know, the reason we stay at the the three four three is because he's the only option we've got on the left while Sessegnon's injured anyway. And that's why I think, yeah, I think he'll he'll stay with the same formation. Yeah, I've got to say, Barnaby, I expected so much more from Ivan Perisic. Uh, going forward, he's been great, but defensively, not so good. Um, Lee, um, how do you see this one going? And I know, obviously, you want Spurs to win because you don't live that far away from Bournemouth. 
<laughs> yeah, no, no, absolutely, absolutely. Want us to win? I, I, I've got a soft spot for for the cherries. Obviously, being a, being local, I've been I've watched them uh, when they were really bad. Um, so, you know, I, 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 I'll, I'll put my heart out to them. But in terms of formation, I don't see that he's got any other option than to keep the the, the formation he's got because we just don't have the players. The amount of injuries we've had is just. You know, that's just really not helped. And I think I think Barnaby picked out a good one there in terms of Ben Davies, who gets so much stick. And I'm sure it's all going to light up now down the side here. Because I, I actually think Ben Davies has probably been one of the better improved players out of the, the legacy players that we've had, who's worked really hard to try to um, keep his place and do well for us. And I think he's done well whenever he's, whenever he's played at left wing back, pretty much. He'll make a mistake the same as everyone. In terms of Perisic, I... I for me, he's a great crosser of the ball, but he don't cross it enough. And, and I, you know, you look at it and all the time, put it in the box, put it in the box, yeah, cross the ball, and he never does. Um, and when he does, it's always a great ball. And you think, why do you not do that more, you know, more regularly? So, so number one, I, I, I think <clears throat> the formation will be the formation because we've only got the players we've got. I, I agree with Matt. It would be great to see Richarlison get some minutes. I think Kulu's probably still struggling from the injuries had uh, coming back from that. And I don't see that he's really playing his best football, which is disappointing because we know how good he can be. Um, and again, I mean, Sonny, we've all been moaning about Sonny all season. We all love him, but he's, he's not played his best football this year. And yet he'll pull one out of the bag like he did on Saturday. And you think that's, that's why you don't leave him out because he can, he can do that. Um, but I think, you know, you start with, you start with Son, um, you see how he's getting on. But you've got to make those substitutes earlier. You know, leaving it so late just doesn't give you the opportunity to do anything, uh, to change anything, especially if you're at a stalemate and you're not getting anywhere. So yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a difficult one because, as like I say, all of the all of the injuries really impact us. Um, so in terms of formation, there's not an awful lot else you can do. So the team, for me, almost picks itself. And this playing out from the back, someone someone commented on a video that I did that they that it's the um, the triangle of suicide, which I think really sums it up that when Hugo is playing it out to, to Romero across the dire and back to back to Hugo, who kicks it out of play or to a opposition player, it's just it's just painful to watch. And, and I dread it every time. So I'm hoping we don't see too much of that. They're just not good enough to be doing that. That's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, I don't, Hugo's a great shot stopper, but he is not a kicker of the ball. Um, he'd never make it in, in in rugby or American football, would he? Let's be honest. Lee, what's your score prediction? Um, I think I, I honestly do, hand on my heart, believe that, that Bournemouth are going to get a penalty, right? Uh, but I think we will probably scrape home with a with a, a, a late 2 1 win. Because it's been such an up and down season, I just want to ask you one last question. Who who if you had to choose one player? who has been um, your player of the season so far, who would you go for? Lee, let's start with you. Oh, who would I start? Who would I say has been my player of the season? Um, I think ultimately it, it would be difficult to not go with someone like Harry, Harry Kane, because I think, you know, breaking Jimmy Greaves' record, breaking the, the England all-time scorer record and all the rest of it, I think you've you've got to... You've got to probably stick with him. I, I don't think anybody else has done anything out that that outstanding that sets him above everybody else. If Benton Core had played 
more um, and yeah. hadn't got injured, I think he could probably give him a run for his money based on um, what he contributes. Because I, I honestly do feel that we've missed him. I, I honestly yeah. do think that that's that's the player that we've really missed. Um, so for me, it would be would be Harry, but I would have liked to have seen Benton Core get a bit more um, without the injury, and that may have may have swayed me to pick someone else just to be different. Yeah, I couldn't agree more, Lee. Um, and Benton Core is a huge miss, obviously. Um, Matt, do you agree? Totally agree. Exactly. It was just going through my head. It has to be Kane, given what he's done. You know, the assists, the goals, broken the record. Um, where would we be? in terms of league position without without Kane's contribution. So Kane, without a doubt, and I think obviously Benson Cure, he's a class act and he's, he's been sorely missed since obviously going out uh, injured against Leicester. Um, yeah, so certainly Kane and, and Benson Cure for me. Barnaby, if you had to choose someone other than Harry Kane, who would you go for? Uh, I I agree. I'd go Benson Cure and then in third position after Kane and Benson Cure is the set-piece coach. Because without him, we'd be absolutely, you know, mid-table. So, yeah, we're very lucky to have Harry Kane and we're very lucky to have had that set-piece coach this season. And I'm assuming he'll probably leave with the Italians at the end of the year, which is a shame. Oh, so, uh, we haven't even discussed that. It's such a huge summer coming up. You've got all of those lone players coming back as well. Um, my God, it is a huge job to do in the summer. Um, Lee, Matt and Barnaby, thanks so much for joining me this evening. Um, Barnaby, tell everyone about your... Penalty gamble. Um, tell everyone all about it. Yeah, just once again, it's called At Football Penalty Gamble. You can find me on Instagram. I, uh, I'm i a goalkeeper, and if people can score five penalties in a row against me, I give them 100 quid. So if you fancy a go, DM me on Instagram, follow me, and come and have a go. I, I do some kind of hopefully humorous commentary over it as well. Uh, just a little bit of fun. But come and win my money. Go for it. Well, thanks so much for coming back. And uh, Matt, thanks so much for coming back. It's been a pleasure having you back thanks on. Again. Thanks again, Chris. Good to be back on, definitely. And Lee, thanks so much for coming back and tell everyone about your YouTube channel and what they can expect from your channel. Yeah, cheers, Chris. Just say thanks. Like same as the other guy. It's been really enjoyable tonight. I've enjoyed the, having this chat. Yeah. So, uh, Leader Dorset Spur, as per the the little name there, um, you'll find me on all of the social media. I've got my own little YouTube channel. It's only a little one, very very small one, and it's only me talking about Tottenham, my feelings, how I feel, and and where I see us going, and so on. So, pretty much a lot of what I've been saying tonight, but you know, in different angles. So, come along, say hello. Why not? Yeah, certainly do that. Um, Lee, thanks so much. So Lee, Matt and Barnaby, thanks so much for your time and thanks for watching, everybody. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you don't subscribe to the channels yet, please do hit that subscribe button. And as I said earlier, Spurs could go back into the top four of a win against Bournemouth on Saturday. Fingers crossed. Uh, I'll be there and uh, we will be doing another show straight after the game. Don't miss it. Uh, I'll see you on the next one. Until then, come on, you Spurs. days are great but there's nothing quite like playing at home the same goes for mcdonald's maximize your home ground advantage with mcdelivery 
Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.